0: Good boys and girls, welcome to the Two Footed Podcast. On Tuesday the 14th of September, we're brought to you by eplindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. It's a virtual privacy network which allows you to go online, change your location and access anything that you may be geo-blocked from. It also keeps your data safe. So check out libertyshield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do remember to check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can now find on Etsy. Just download that Etsy app onto your phone and search EPL Index or Anfield Index. Plenty of merch there. Right, folks. One game last night. Everton three. Burnley one. It's actually quite a good game. I quite enjoyed this. Um, first half relatively even. I thought both teams had some decent half chances. Burnley started the second half the better team. Great cross from goodman It won't get the appreciation it deserves, but to turn and dig the ball out the way he does as quickly as he does and deliver that kind of accurate cross, really, really impressive. Ben Mee with a good header puts Burnley one up. And at the time, I I did think they deserved it. I thought they deserved to go one up. But Everton fought back really quickly. Seven minutes later, and Andros Townsend cross, and Michael Keane with a great header, powered into the top corner. Could have put two goalkeepers in there. They weren't keeping that out. Five minutes later, you could have put ten goalkeepers in, and they weren't saving this shot. Andros Townsend picks the ball up about 40 yards from goal, takes a couple of touches, steadies himself. And from about thirty five yards out. Puts this whipped dipping uh, horrible shot that if you're a goalkeeper, it could be the worst thing you've ever seen coming towards you. If you're if you're Andros Townsend, it's the best thing to ever leave your boot, it's just unbelievable. The whip, the curl, the bend, and the dip that he got on that ball. Incredible. Absolutely incredible Put it in the top corner Like I say, you could have put a team of goalkeepers in there And they still wouldn't have got close to it It's a funny thing with Andros Townsend In 15 years when he's long retired And there's youngsters who didn't see him play Who randomly come across a YouTube compilation of his best goals They're going to think Andros Townsend is one of the best players to ever play the game Because that fella cannot score a tap-in. He just scores worldies over and over and over again. We'll ignore the fact that for every one shot from 30 yards, that ends up in the top corner, 15 of them end up in the stands. When he makes proper contact, it is just a thing of beauty. Um, And he started the season really well. All credit to Rafa Benitez and Townsend himself. He seems to have a new lease on life. He seems re-enthused about the game. And he's playing very, very well. He's not playing as well as Damari Gray, though. For a guy who cost £1.5 DeMari Gray might be the bargain of the season so far. Gray got the third. Really good pass from Abdoulaye Ducoury. Only a minute after the Townsend goal. I think Burnley were still shook. Really good pass from Ducoury. Split the defence. Gray runs on a lovely finish past Nick Pope, Demary Gray has just, he's reinvented himself. He's playing exceptionally well in this team. He's accepted a role where he's not massively involved in the build-up play, but he's massively contributing in the final third. It's the type of player Everton have been lacking because, they have Calvert-Lewin. They didn't have him last night. So this win is even more impressive with no Calvert-Lewin. But they have Calvert-Lewin as that kind of target man. Good finisher. All-round game still needs a bit of work, but it's getting there. But he's a, a really good number nine. You've got Richarlison, who's a very talented half winger, half number 10. Doesn't have the playmaking of a 10, but likes to operate in, in Central areas a little bit like Delhi. Not not as technically gifted as Deli, but has that, can play wide, lots of work rate, will get goals, but isn't a massive goal scorer. He's not the guy you want to be the secondary goal scorer in your attack. They needed someone else who could just bring goals into the team. And Damari Gray, if he continues this form, is going to be that player. Now, his career high is six in a league season that was for Birmingham in 1415 and since then his career high is four. Well he's three and four games now and five games if you count the league cup and he's just playing at a tremendous level. His go- his career goal record is 25 goals in 265 games. It's not impressive at all. But he's always been seen as an out and out winger a creator, a player to be used in the build-up. And Rafa has taken that away and just simplified his game, getting him in more central areas, having him running into the box, in between the goals, the goalposts, not allowing him to just drift out wide and play on the periphery, getting him into central areas, letting him know our build-up play is going to come from the fullbacks. It'll come from a Charleston dropping wide. You just get in the box. And he's been he's been brilliant for them. He absolutely has been brilliant for them. And he's only 25 years of age. So there's no reason he can't kick on now and start to display the talent that he showed at Birmingham that sort of drifted away at Leicester as he kind of got lost in the shuffle there. But this was a really good performance from Everton once they went 1-0 down. They fought back, and Benitez, you just can't say enough about the work he's doing there. Like, last night he went with a back three. Very un like to go with a back three. But it worked. It worked really well. He got, his, he got his changes right. He managed to do that thing with his hand where he knocks the graphic off the screen again, which is, I think, the third or fourth time Rafa's somehow done that. It's absolutely incredible what a genius he is. But... Um you know, after the game he comes out and he's full of praise for the team. Doesn't care about praise for himself. He's praising the team for what they're doing, how they're playing, and their attitude and training. And for Everton, they're now fourth in the league. Identical records to Manchester United, Chelsea, and Liverpool. Can't ask for better. Ten goals scored, so they're exciting going forward. Four conceded. You know, Rafa will want that to, to improve. But a couple of the goals that they've conceded were or Michael Keane individual errors. They're not systemic errors. So Rafa should be able to shake them out fairly quickly. They shouldn't be a problem long term. A couple of talking points that came from the game. Couple of bad tackles. One by Josh Brownhill. Now, it was a similar tackle to the Struyak tackle on Harvey Elliott on Sunday. Gary Neville will tell you it was an identical tackle, but it wasn't. It wasn't for two reasons. Number one, he wasn't running at the same speed that Struyak was running at, Brownhill, that is. And number two, he didn't leave his feet, he didn't jump towards the ball the way Stryjic did. So it wasn't identical at all. It was a yellow card offence, without question. Now, the referee didn't even book him for it, which was poor by the referee. Neville, again, trying to you know, defend his narrative from Sunday about how Stryjic shouldn't have been sent off despite it being a clear and obvious red card. The second incident, then, is James Tarkovsky lunging at Richarlison. Now, he does win the ball. It it needs to be said, because I saw a lot lot of people last night say, oh, he never gets near the ball. The ball is well gone. He won the ball. He won the ball, and he played it off Richarlison. That's why it ended up in the stand behind the goal. Richarlison didn't put it there by choice. But Tarkovsky completely cleaned him out after that. Now, Neville said there's no place in football for a tackle like this before saying himself, Oh, that's a tackle. I'd have done hundreds of times myself. It was, it was a yellow card back then. Well, I'm sorry, Gary, but you're talking rubbish. If that's a tackle, you did a hundred times yourself or more than a hundred times yourself, as you said, well, you would have had a hundred plus yellow cards then. So it either is a yellow card or it isn't. It was, sorry, it was, or it wasn't. And it clearly wasn't when he played. So, Bizarre for him to try and make the comparison. I think what he meant to say was that in today's game, that tackle isn't really allowed. And that's fair. It's not really allowed. It is. It is dangerous play. He doesn't set out to hurt Richarlison, but it is one of those tackles where you feel like maybe the player is leaving that extra bit on. Richarlison ends up in a heap and the referee doesn't even give a free kick. Now, I don't think that one was as bad as the Brownhill tackle, but I do think it's a foul on a yellow card. I think the follow through makes it a foul on a yellow card. It's certainly not a red card. And Neville again was pushing the idea that that was a red card, which it just wasn't. He won the ball, and there is a point where winning the ball must be remembered as a very important factor. If he if you go through a player to win the ball, that's not allowed. If you win the ball first, that is within the rules of the game. So the follow-through deserved a yellow card for Tarkovsky. But it's a strange one. It really is. Because what's funny is, I've seen solo the Leeds fans crying about the streak, uh red card on Sunday. Ignoring the fact that it actually helped their team. Because Liverpool should have beaten them 7 or 8-0 uh, if they'd taken their chances. And... Once the, the Elliott injury happened, Liverpool really let up. They just kind of slowed down. They looked a little bit shook. They looked concerned for the teammate, obviously, who's a young boy who's suffered a traumatic injury. Leeds fans should be more concerned with how dreadful their team was, how easily Liverpool picked them apart time and time again. This is a very convenient excuse for Leeds fans to distract from the beating they took. It's a very convenient excuse for Leeds fans and the media to distract from the disgraceful chanting by large portions of the Leeds fans uh, as Elliot lay on the ground with his ankle dangling, or his foot dangling to one side, uh, or as he was being stretchered off the field. Now, there was the majority. The majority did applaud. The majority were very, very well behaved, but there was a large portion that did just cross multiple boundaries. But this is a convenient way to distract from all that. And Gary Neville plays into this because Neville speaks out, out both sides of his mouth. He would embarrass himself multiple times during the broadcast with just ridiculous claims one of which was the debate over cristiano versus messi and that's where i want to go next um i found this to be one of the most embarrassing arguments i've ever heard made on national television this was just pathetic stuff from lionel Ma- from 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 lionel messi from gary neville um so first things first he showed some graphics some some numbers. So let's have a quick look at these. He tried to make his argument that Ronaldo was the greatest player ever based on his goal scoring. Okay? Now, so his argument was forget everything else that takes place because he, he's the best at this, he's the best. But is he, Mr. Neville? Because when you look at the numbers... Cristiano has 676 club goals in his career. Lionel Messi has 672. So Cristiano has four more. But Cristiano has played 117 more club matches. So do we really think Lionel Messi won't score more than four goals in his next 117 career matches? Of course he will. So Messi's got a better goal per game ratio, much, and a much better goal per minute ratio. If you look at their career club minutes, uh, Cristiano's played 73,164, Messi 63,531. So, just under 10,000 more. You're telling me that you, like, an average season could be two and a half thousand, three thousand 3,000 minutes. That's three to four seasons Messi will have to catch Cristiano's number. Neville's next argument was. But look at the types of goals he scores. He scored more weak-footed and headed goals. Okay, weak-footed, fine. One of the reasons is. He takes so many shots. If we look at shot conversion. Well, Messi's miles ahead. Miles ahead. It's, it's not even. It's not even close. Messi could miss his next 400 shots and still have a better career conversion rate than Cristiano Ronaldo. One of the reasons Messi doesn't need to shoot off his weaker foot as much is because he's always in such great control of the ball and can work the ball back to his left foot and therefore take higher probability shots. Cristiano doesn't have that. Oh he scored more headed goals than him. Okay, that's fair. But Lionel Messi is five foot seven. Cristiano Ronaldo's six foot two. That's seven inches. Of course he scored more headed goals than him. He's seven inches taller. But who's got the most iconic headed goal between the two? Lionel Messi. Champions League final. Versus Manchester United, with Cristiano on the pitch, by the way. That's the most iconic-headed goal either of them have scored. So even in the one area that you would say Cristiano has the big advantage there, Messi still has the more iconic goal. And Cristiano's advantage is genetics, nothing else. Neville tried to use penalties in Cristiano's favour. As if his team had been awarded more penalties was somehow proof that he was a better goal scorer. But if you take goals if you take goals scored by penalties out of their tallies, well, all of a sudden Messi has thirty nine more non penalty goals across his career than Cristiano Ronaldo. 39 in 117 less games. Neville thought using penalties was a plus for Cristiano. It's not. It's a negative. And if we take a look at their penalty success rate, what do you know? Once again, Lionel Messi scores a higher percentage of his penalties than Cristiano Ronaldo. Direct free kicks. Messi has scored 50, Cristiano has scored 47. It's pretty close, but should we take a quick look at their free-kick conversion rates? Cristiano took over 70 free-kicks at Juventus and scored one. At Real Madrid, his conversion rate was 7%. They've both scored 48 hat-tricks, but again, Lionel Messi has played 117 less games. Then Neville tried to make it based on career comparisons across internationals and trophies, etc. So, look, Cristiano's the record goal-scored international level. It's tremendous. He's had 27 more caps, and he has scored 32 more goals. So that's very impressive. So 32 more goals. So all told, he's got 36 more goals than Messi, club and international in 144 more games but goal scoring is not the only thing in football chance creation is more is important and Lionel Messi for his career club and international 353 assists Cristiano Ronaldo not even close 260 So, 90 plus more assists for Messi, which means Messi has a far higher goal involvement. Almost 60 more goal involvements than Cristiano in 144 less games, club and country. In nearly 10,000 less minutes at club level, And 2,000 less minutes at international level. So 12,000 minutes, give or take. Messi just outperforms him. In all aspects. More great research here from Neville. Now this is how I know Neville didn't really believe his argument. Because he didn't realise that the information he was spouting was incorrect. International trophies. Cristiano 2. Messi 0. So let's dig into that part. Cristiano's won two international trophies, kind of. So, Euro 2016, Portugal win the competition. But does anyone remember that tournament? Does anyone remember how poor Cristiano was in the majority of games in that tournament? Let's look back at Portugal's games. So first up, They played Iceland. They drew 1-1 and he was awful. Then they played Austria. They drew 0-0 and he was awful. Then they played Hungary and he scored twice. And he played well. One out of three. Next up, they played Croatia. And again, he was awful. Genuinely dreadful. In the quarterfinals, they played Port. They played Poland. He played quite well. Didn't score. Scored his penalty in the shootout. In the semi-finals against Wales, he did play well. He scored the first goal. So, we're six games in. He scored in two. Against mighty Hungary and Wales. He hasn't exactly carried this team to the final. He hasn't exactly been the best player. He hasn't been close to the best player, in fact, in the Portuguese team. In the final, they beat France 1-0. He was dreadful. Then he got injured. Then he went off. And the team won without him. So while, yes, he was part of the team that won it, it's not like he inspired them to victory single-handedly. Portugal won the 1819 UEFA Nations League, which is basically a tournament of glorified friendlies, but we'll give them the win. They played 5 games. Sorry, they played 6 games in this competition. He didn't play in the first four of them. They got through the group stage without him. Didn't play a minute. they played Switzerland in the semi-final and he scored a hat-trick Switzerland so in international tournaments that they won he's turned up against Hungary Wales and Switzerland it's not exactly a who's who in the final against the Netherlands he spent his entire 90 minutes in Virgil van Dijk's pocket that's that's what happened he wasn't good in either of those competitions. Lionel Messi, no international tournaments. Well, excuse me, but didn't Lionel Messi win the Copa America with Argentina this past summer? Didn't that happen? Because I think it did. And I think Lionel Messi was voted the best player at the tournament. Didn't didn't Lionel Messi win the Olympics with Argentina in a 08? Well, he, he did, and he, I think he was voted the best player at that tournament too. Now, we could go further and we could point out that he also won the under 20 World Cup with Argentina, but we'll leave it at senior tournaments. He's now won, he's won two, and Ronaldo's won two. The difference being, he's been the best player in both tournaments that his team won, and Cristiano hasn't. Cristiano's not been the best player at any other competition that his team have been in, whereas Messi has been the best player at three different Copa Americas and a World Cup. 2014, he dragged Argentina to the World Cup final. Single-handedly dragged them there. He was incredible. But Cristiano's never done that at a World Cup. In fact, if you look at Cristiano's performances, he's never really played all that well at these major tournaments. He scored goals, like this past Euros, he scored five goals. Penalties and tap-ins. But look at his all-round performances. Not so much. Cristiano's a moments player. He has big moments. He scores big goals. Or he scores goals in big games. But he can't dictate a game the way Lionel Messi does. Messi, far better creative numbers as we went over. Not even close. You can look at at his expected assists. Look at... Chance creation, big chance creation, XG build, XG chain. Across the board, Lionel Messi's creative numbers dwarf Cristiano's. Then we take into account versatility on the pitch. Cristiano can play in a wide role or he can play up front. That's it, two positions. Lionel Messi can play in a wide role, he can play up front, he can play as a 10. And he can play as a centre midfielder. And he would run the game. In fact, I would imagine you could put him at left back. And he could run a game. Messi's defensive contributions are better. There's just no aspect of the game in which it's even close bar goal scoring. And Cristiano's one of the greatest goal scorers we've ever seen. But Lionel Messi's better. His goals per minute ratio is, is insanely better than Cristiano's. His conversion rate is insanely better than Cristiano's. It's not even close. There is simply no argument to be made that Cristiano Ronaldo is a better footballer than Lionel Messi. There's no argument to be made. Cristiano has never been the best player in the world. He He's won Ballon d'Ors, admittedly. He's got five of them. Messi has six, by the way. He's won five of them. But he's never been the best player in the world. He might have been the best player that season, but no one's ever really thought he's better than Messi. The only people that do are Manchester United fans, who are a weird bunch anyway and spent 12 years fawning over a guy who didn't give them a second thought when he left, and Real Madrid fans. They're the only people that think Cristiano's better, and they're biased. Everyone else? Lionel Messi. I'm not a Barcelona fan. I can't stand Barcelona. I certainly can't stand PSG. But I recognise that Lionel Messi has been the best player in the world since 2009. Prior to 09, Kaka was the best player in the world for a period. Before him, it was Ronaldinho. There's never been a point where Cristiano's been the best player on the planet. And therefore, he's not even in the conversation as the greatest player ever. Because if you haven't been the best player in your era, you're not in the conversation for best player ever. Cristiano would be in a conversation for best goal scorer ever with Gerd Muller, Ferenc Pushkas. But you know who beats him? Lionel Messi beats him. Lionel Messi's a better goal scorer than him. And he's a better footballer. In every way, Lionel Messi is a better footballer than Cristiano Ronaldo. He's a more successful footballer. He's a more decorated footballer. He's a more talented footballer. What Cristiano Ronaldo is, is the greatest athlete to ever play the game. Cristiano Ronaldo is an example of what a human can do when they've got great genetics, an incredible work ethic, and plenty of money. Have put into their own training, nutrition, etc. He takes incredible care of himself, spends a fortune on it. Lionel Messi's a gift from above. Lionel Messi's an alien. He's not of this planet. Him, Maradona, a couple of others through history. Not like the rest of us. Cristiano's just like the rest of us. He's just got better genes and more money and an incredible work ethic. But he doesn't, have, he doesn't have a quarter of the natural gifts of a Lionel Messi. He can't dictate a game. He can't run a game. Not a chance. Carragher embarrassed Neville last night. Carragher. But not as badly as Neville embarrassed himself. His argument was laughable. Absolutely laughable. He thought scoring more penalties was a real case in Cristiano's favour. It's not, Gary. We're real sorry. And we know that Sky want you to push this narrative, this drivel, because they've got TV rights and they want to pretend like getting Cristiano back is this big thing. But it's just not the case. And the thing is, Messi right now is still the best player in the world. Cristiano right now, not even in the discussion. Not even close to the discussion. Not even top five. So I don't want to hear about it anymore. The argument was embarrassing. Cristiano is not on the same level as Messi. He can't lace Messi's boots. I'm going to wrap up today with the gossip. And we'll get out of here nice and quick today. It would take a bid of €100 million or more for Borussia Dortmund to let Jude Bellingham... Leave next summer. Manchester City and Liverpool are both said to be interested in the England International. I don't think he will leave until 2023. I think they'll sell Haaland next summer and keep Bellingham another year after that. Uh, West Ham, like Dortmund, have put a price on their star player. The Hammers are demanding nothing less than 100 million for Declan Rice. That is ludicrous. Ludicrous. He's a 40, maybe 50 million pound player. He's good. He's not great. He's not a world-class player. He's nothing close to world-class at this point. He's good. He's not great. He's the second-best English-holding midfielder. Arsenal are contemplating selling Bernd Leno next summer. This is from the Mail. This is the standard of journalism we have come to accept. Bernd Leno's out of contract next summer. There'll be no selling him or anything of the sort. He will just leave on a free Manchester United pursuit of Leon Goretzka has suffered a blow after the German midfielder agreed a new contract. There was never any pursuit. United knew they couldn't get him. His agent just used him as a tool to get Bayern to give in and give him the contract that he wanted. Uh, Real Madrid can afford to sign Paris Saint-Germain forward Kylian Mbappe and Borussia Dortmund's Erling Haaland next summer, says La Liga president Javier Tabaz. I told you. I told you. There was a report yesterday from Ornstein that Paul Pogba is leaning towards signing a new deal at Manchester United. Rail have told him, we don't have the money for you next summer. Because they're going all in, they're getting Mbappe on a free. They're going to pay the buyout of Haaland and they're going to pay them both half a million a week. They've told Pogba, we're not interested anymore. Pogba will still hold out for Paris Saint-Germain. But for United, I mean, they're stuck now. They either lose him on a free or they give him an undeserved new contract. Simple as that. Axel Tunzebi wants to make his his loan move to Manchester United permanent. Um, Yeah, he's been there before. He clearly enjoyed his time there because he wanted to go back. So I can understand that his path is blocked at United. Um, I I think he's a better centre-back than than we've seen um, at the Premier League level. I think he just needs a consistent run of games. Chelsea are prepared to offer Mason Mount a new contract, which could increase his wages to 150,000 a week. It's a lot of money for a young player, but he's a he's an England starter. He's a good player, so work away. Uh, Bayern Munich are working on signing Timo Werner from Chelsea in January. Uh, my understanding is that he is available and he could even be available on loan. He was available on loan this summer Another Premier League club made an offer. They were told it's a five million loan fee. It's an option to buy at 50 million, but you have to pay all his wages, and his wages are substantial. So I, I think Bayern may well have strong interest and may well find a way to get him in January. We know that he's worked with Nagelsmann before. Nagelsman's a big fan. And he, Timo wants to play for Bayern. He didn't he never wanted to go to Chelsea. He wanted to go to Bayern. When that wasn't an option, he decided he wanted to go to Liverpool. When that fell apart because of the the pandemic, he ended up at Chelsea because they paid him the most money. Um, Paul Pogba, who has been heavily linked with Real Madrid and Paris Saint-Germain, is leaning towards extending his stay at Manchester United. That is that is David Ornstein. Um, Manchester, oh, sorry, Leicester City have taken an interest in Jesse Lingard. Uh, he'd be a very Brendan Rodgers type signing. Chelsea could make a move for two Inter Milan defenders with Alessandro Bastoni and Milan Skriniar linked to the European champions. Um, Bastoni would make more sense for Chelsea than Skriniar. Skriniar is excellent, absolutely excellent. And both of them obviously used to playing in a three. But Bastoni being that left-footed, left-sided centre-back makes more sense for Chelsea because that's the one thing they do lack um in that group of centre backs that they use to mix and match. Tottenham have put an offer on the table for Frank Kessie, although it is not clear whether Spurs will make a move in January or wait to sign him on a free. Whoever gets him is is getting a tremendous player. Uh, that's from one Spanish out uh, sorry, Italian outfit. Another says Spurs are com- Spurs Spurs' chances have taken a hit with Milan confident that Kessie will remain. Uh, Former Bayern Munich striker Karl-Heinz Rummenigge says no club in the Bundesliga could afford Erling Haaland because of his high salary. Yeah, I mean, Bayern could pay the fee, they just couldn't afford the wages. Liverpool have shown interest in Amin Gouri of Nice, with Jurgen Klopp keen on signing the 21-year-old. Liverpool have been linked with a lot of young attackers at the moment, which is quite promising. Arsenal are one of a number of young of number of Premier League sides who have targeted Alexander Isaac. Um, he would be a great signing for any Premier League side. He is he is tremendous. Manchester United have made inquiries about Barcelona and Spain winger and and through Cristiano Ronaldo's agent George Mendes. Uh, what that is is George Mendes working to get Fatty a new contract at Barca. His contract expires this summer but Barca have the option to extend it for two more years and Mendes wants him taken care of he wants him to get a massive pay rise because he's earning a pittance in compared to his importance to the club Tottenham are willing to sell Harry Winks this summer but only if clubs pay 40 sorry Tottenham were willing to spend to sorry to sell Harry Winks this summer but only if clubs paid 45 million Uh, That makes sense, that does make sense I can understand that they would want to move him on and bring that money in But they've set a price too high, unfortunately Uh, Pep Guardiola wants to sign Leeds midfielder Calvin Phillips I have doubts over that one He's a good player, but I just don't think Pep would would want him at City when he has Rodri Uh, Barcelona are targeting Donny Almo They'd want to find some money down the back of the sofa So Leicester City defender Wesley Fafana says Real Madrid is the biggest club in the world and th- that is his dream to play there. That's not one, what you want to hear if you're Leicester City. Um Everton failed to offload Hamas Rodriguez because of his wages. Yeah, 250 grand a week. You find a club that's willing to pay that. Barça are interested in Yuri Tiedemas, but do not view him as a priority because they have no money. Everton will get a clear run at Rangers fullback Nathan Patterson in the next transfer window after Liverpool pulled out of the race. I wouldn't imagine Liverpool have pulled out of anything. Everton had a free run this summer and failed in two bids to get him. Uh, England, under-21 international, Dwight McNeil, says he is happy at Burnley and did not receive any transfer offers over the summer despite being linked with a move away. He's, he's too good for Burnley, unfortunately. And not, nothing against Burnley. I really like the club. I love Sean Dyche. But Dwight McNeil, for me, needs to be playing for a, a European challenging team. He is outstanding outstanding as a left winger as a right winger i think he can play left side of a midfield three i think he could play left back with some work he could play as a left wing back he's been really well schooled by dice he's really well rounded. he's got a great left foot good passer good crosser decent pace beats men works really hard it, dwight McNeil is, is set for bigger and better things um tottenham hotspur have opened talks with ajax about the signing of dutch defender Yuri and Timber in in September. I doubt it. Uh, Barcelona are planning to hold talks with Usman Dembele's agent. They need to get that contract sorted because if they lose him, what four years after signing him, it will be five years after signing him by next summer, on a free, having paid hundred and five million plus add-ons. That would be one of the most embarrassing transfer sagas in the history of football. And Barcelona have quite a few that are up there. The Griezmann debacle being one, Coutinho being another. And if you go back to their history, there's just tons and tons of them. Uh, Frank Kessie attracting interest in Barcelona, Liverpool, Tottenham and Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, he's going to be very desirable. He really is. Uh, French playmaker Hossam Auer has played down links with Arsenal and says he wants to help Leon qualify for the Champions League. Um Dusan Vlahovic who attracted interest from Tottenham And Atletico Madrid in the summer Is in talks about extending his deal With Fiorentina He would want to work in a He would want to work in a Buyout clause That's the one thing I would advise him to do uh, We will leave it at that for today then Folks Thanks for listening Thank you to Guy Drinkle Thanks to Foxhound. I will see you tomorrow Take care of yourselves bye Bye Podcast Network.